This program is brought to you by BibleWayMedia.org, overseen by the Uloga Church of Christ in Uloga, Oklahoma. All right, let's go ahead and get started this morning. We are in Matthew chapter 25, verse 14, picking up the parable of the talents. Uh, you, may, you may remember last time when we uh, finished, we were looking at the parable of the wise and foolish virgins from Matthew 25, verse 1 through verse 13. But we're picking up the parable of the talents, which can also be found in Luke 19, verses 11 through 27. Uh, there, the New King James, and sometimes these headings are a little bit off, but you have the parable of the minus, and the reference I have there references back to Matthew 25, uh, verse 14. Um, which, to my knowledge, is is the same same thing here. Parable of the talents, parable of the minus that's mentioned there uh, in in uh, Luke chapter chapter 19. Uh, as you look through there, it talks about the parable of the talents. It actually mentions talents. As he mentions uh, here some. Um, he gave some ten minus, in which according to Strong's. Um, it's just another another weight. Uh, in the Old Testament, a weight of 300 shekels was one pound. In the New Testament, a weight, of, weight in sum of a money equal to 100 uh, drachmae. One talent was 100 pounds. A pound equaled 10 and one-third ounces. So there you go. Uh, it's the same. Uh, uses the term minus therein, or minus, I'm probably not saying it correctly, um, there in Luke 19, 11 through 27, but it's the same parable here in Luke chapter 4, or here in Matthew 25, verse 14. Uh, here the Bible says, For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country, who called his own servants and delivered and delivered his goods to them. And to one he gave five talents, and to another two, and to another one, to each according to his own ability. And immediately he went on a journey. It's it's important to me to notice here, uh, or at least it's important to me to notice here that he you notice the phrase in verse 15 to each according to his own ability there in verse uh, 15, which tells us that he did not expect anyone uh, he did not expect more out of someone than what he thought they could give. He didn't uh, he didn't um, you know it's like. I say sometimes that God doesn't demand more from us than what we can give. You know, there's He doesn't require anything from us that we cannot that we cannot achieve or accomplish or give to Him. And that's the same idea we find here in verse 15: to each according to his own ability, which means that He saw their ability, He knew what they were capable of, and He gave them accordingly. And so He would expect to receive back accordingly. Verse 16: then He then He who had received the five talents went and traveled went and traded with them and made another five talents. Why? Because that was according to his ability, right? Back in verse 15. And likewise, he who had received two gained two more also. But he who had received one went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. Now, there's going to be... You have to keep in mind the emphasis on this is not the the landowner who comes back and who's shrewd and all these types of things. The point we're, we're, we're focusing on here is that we are expected to use our abilities. So we are capable of certain things, and we are expected by God to use those abilities. When I say to use our abilities, I'm not saying there's a difference between using our abilities for God and trying to use our, our gifts to, to praise God. Uh, there are those today who claim, well, so-and-so has the ability to play guitar. They should be able to do that in worship. No. And why can we say that? Because God has set forth the pattern. See, if our abilities or if our uh, talents 
would cause us to sin against God if we use them incorrectly, like using mechanical instruments in worship, uh, then they're not being used in the correct way. Uh, we have to use our talents the correct way. I mean, a lot of people have a lot of gifts and talents. You know, people who are very talented as a mechanic, uh, and it is a talent, <laughs> to be able to do those things. Uh, should they be allowed to repair something, to pull up a, a you know a piston or a, pull up a transmission, drag it in, middle of worship service, say, here's my gift to God. I'm gonna, you know. See, it doesn't apply, but... We know people today, or it doesn't doesn't make sense, right? I shouldn't say it doesn't apply. What I'm what I'm saying is, people today will try to use their talents or their gifts in a way that is that would contradict Scripture. If we're using it in a way to contradict Scripture, then then we're not using it correctly. And sometimes people also today misunderstand what a talent or ability is. Uh, there are things, there are abilities and talents that we have that are, are abilities and certain things we're able to do that if we do it in the wrong setting, it's not right. It's it's sinful. So God wants us to use our talents. We use them in a way that's pleasing to him. Any talent out of context can cause someone to sin. I kind of took a long world around, but that's the idea. Any talent used out of context, out of proper context, can cause us to sin. Uh, looking here in verse now, in verse uh, 18, but he who had received one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. Like he's hiding his talent. It's like some of the day he has a talent to uh, teach a Bible class, but they don't want to because variety of reasons. Which most of the time it's, it's laziness, it's selfishness, it's let someone else do it, uh, that type of thing. Uh, if we have the knowledge, which means, if, you know, if someone has the ability, it means they have the knowledge and they have the they have a way to be able to, to, uh, convey Bible messages in such a way they're easy to understand and they do not contradict scripture, right? That's ability. That's a talent. But if we hide that, it's that's not good, right? It doesn't mean you have to teach every single class that comes along. But if we are given an opportunity to teach, and we have an opportunity to teach, and we should do so. Uh, looking here in verse 19, after a long time, the Lord of those servants came and set, settled accounts with them. So he who had received five talents came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I have gained five more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. Why? Because he has used his ability, right? Going back to verse 15, to each according to his ability. He knew his ability. He used it. His, his master is well pleased. Uh, and he says here, in verse 21, his Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I'll make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. He also he also had received two talents, came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents, and look, I have gained two more talents beside them. His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I'll make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Verse 24, Then he had received the one talent, came and said, Lord, I knew that you were that I need you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown, and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid, and went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. Now, the, we have to keep in mind, no matter what other people are doing, you know, sometimes you run into those employers that are just out, outstanding and amazing people, and always do what is right. And then sometimes you have those who you wish they had a better, you wish they had a better, uh, attitude about things. You wish they did things differently. Sometimes we never know about it. Sometimes we may, and we decide, you know what, maybe I should go somewhere else. But no matter what everyone else is doing, we should always do what is right. The servant here is not doing what is right. 
regardless of what his master is doing, he was still his employee, right? I mean, he was his servant. And we'd say that he's employee. And his, he was given a task. He didn't do it. And so when he comes to, when you find here in verse 24 and 25, he just begins to say, he basically begins to talk against his master, against him, saying, well, this is what you do. And look, uh, here's, what you, here's what's really is yours. Mm, that's not how it works. Look at verse 26. But his Lord answered and said to him, you wicked and lazy servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. You ought to have deposited my money with the bankers, and at my coming would have received back my own, my own with interest. So take your talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents. Look at verse 27. Basically, he said, look, you could have at least went and put it in the bank, right? You could have done the most simple, easy thing to do. At least I would have came back with interest. You didn't even do that. You know, today we have those, especially those in the church sometimes today who have opportunities and don't want to do it because, take those opportunities because they're lazy or because they're afraid. Uh, you know, some, fear is a real thing. I mean, someone has a fear of public speaking, but probably they're, they're pretty good at, you know, discussing things and having good Bible knowledge. Over time, you can't help them if they so desire, you know, to to overcome those things. And believe it or not, once uh, when I was a child, I, <laughs> I had to take speech classes when I was younger uh, because, well, for reasons you take speech classes, right? Uh, and so... Things change over time, right? People can change over time if they desire to do so. Look at verse um, 28. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. And so what we find here in verse 29 is the idea that when you have abilities, you should use them, because if not, you're going to lose that ability. It's like, you know, someone who, uh, let's say, when we were in school, we were always told that, you know, with Greek, when you learn Greek, because that's what the New Testament's written in, right? Queen of Greek. Uh, when you learn it, and you start learning it, you have to work at it all the time. Because if not, it's one of those things that over time you'll you'll forget. Uh, you know, people who, who have uh, learned different languages over the years uh, for various reasons, if they don't use that, it's, it's very easy for them to begin to forget words and forget how to say, say certain things different languages. And that's the idea we find here. You have this ability. Well, what's going to happen? You're going to lose even that ability. You're going to lose that talent. He says, for to everyone who has, more will be given. When you begin to work and labor in the church, and really this even applies in the secular world, you begin to learn other things as well. You begin to learn how to do other things and learn how to do certain things maybe better. So you gain more talents, right? That's the day we find in verse 29. We, you improve by doing. Looking at verse 30, he says, And cast the unprofitable servants, because, right, he didn't, he didn't bring anything to him. He brought nothing to the table, literally. He just dug, his mon- dug a hole and put the money in the ground and left it there, waiting for him to come back. Uh, he, he didn't do the very least of what he could have done. Cast him out of darkness, there were weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, he was expected to use his ability, to use his talent. You look at verse 29 and 30 here. I'm going to read some comments from Brother Max Patterson here. Uh, if, if, one, if he does not use, that is, his talent, or make use of what he has, he will lose what he has. This verse seems to be a proverb that means if you work with what you have and improve it, you will be rewarded with even more, like we were just talking about a second ago. Uh, the converse is also true. 
spiritually think of God's grace and favor being taken away. If you don't serve God faithfully and you go off into sin, you're going to lose what you once had, right? Verse 30, uh, talking about casting in a proper servant into, into darkness. Uh, outer darkness is like the, like the kind of depths of uh, maybe a cave when they turn out the lights. Uh, the darkness has, has none of the light of heaven, and the contemplation of it is fearful. Uh, this parable at this point seems, he, Brother Patterson says here, the parable at this point seems to merge into the real. Many will be lost in the day of judgment. Why? Not for great ill-doing or crimes, but for neglect, idleness, and omission of duty, which means they didn't do what they should have been doing. All right. Let's continue on here, looking at verse 31. Um I have the heading here, the separation of the sheep and the goats at the end of time. Uh, no one leads into an, to another point, to another point, to another point better than Christ, which is to be expected, right? Uh, he moves from uh, being prepared, being prepared to, he's going to be weeping and gnashing your teeth for those who have not been prepared. And then what's the next thing he talks about? The judgment day. Look at verse 31. When the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the holy angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. And all the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate them one from another, as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. And he will set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on the left. And then king will say to those on his right hand, you remember now who is on, who is on the right hand. He says he will, he will set the sheep on his right hand, and the goats on the left. Then he will say to those on his right hand, which are the sheep, Come, you blessed of my Father, and inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer, and answer him, saying, Now notice this. The righteous do these things, and it seemed that it's kind of like some people who, who do things and they don't realize just the impact of what they're doing. Uh, you know, you do certain things for people and you don't you don't think about what should, how we should be, right? We try to do things for people because not only is it the right thing to do, but it's pleasing to God and because we care about other people. And when we do those things, sometimes we don't realize the effect it has, right? And so look at verse 37. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and take take you in, or or naked and clothe you? Or when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And notice his answer. And the king will answer and say to him, As surely I say to you, and as much as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. So what he's saying here is that when he helped when he helped the Lord's people, when he helped members of the church, it's like helping it's like helping him. That's what he's talking about here. The brethren. It's like helping the brethren. When you help the brethren, it's like you're doing the same thing to Christ. Keep that in mind, because look what he says next in verse 41. Then he will also say to those on the left hand, on, on, his, on the left hand, which are the, the goats, right? Depart from me, you curse into the everlasting fire, prepare for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and he gave me no food. I was thirsty, and he gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and he did not take me in. Naked, and he did not clothe me. Sick, and in prison, you did not visit me. Then they will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? Then he will answer them, saying, As surely I say to you, inasmuch as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. And so again, 
Christ paints the picture very clearly. When you help the brethren, it's like helping him. When you don't help the brethren, it's like you're not helping him. Uh, we think about, and I apply this to the church, but we want to help those outside the church as well because one of the best ways for people to see Christ and to learn more about God and to possibly come to obey the gospel is by helping those who are in need. Now, we understand, of course, there's going to be those who just take advantage of you. It's going to happen. But we want to help those in need. And when it comes to the brethren, because that's what he's mentioning here specifically, the brethren, uh, we shouldn't be those who, when we see a brother in need, truly in need, we shouldn't hesitate. If we have the ability, we should not hesitate. There's nothing to me more frustrating to see someone who is in need and we hesitate. For When I say that, we hesitate because there are some people today who uh, are what we call misers. That is, they, they don't want to spend any money. They they close up the purse strings and they don't want to do anything like that. Nothing, you know, uh, oh, they need help? Well, let's give them some groceries. Well, the problem is they don't have power at their house. Well, and kind of what happens? Sometimes you have those who don't want to help. If we have the ability, we need to help our brother. We need to help all those that we can, uh, that we have the ability to help. Uh, but primarily here we find here the focus, not meaning we don't help those outside the church because we do, but the focus here in this section is the brethren. We have to look out for our own because uh, it's very clear the Lord is not pleased with those who, are, who do not, as we find there in that section. Next begins chapter 26 of Matthew, uh, Matthew chapter 26, with, um, and I like to use the headings that Brother Patterson has here. I know different translations of the Bible have different, translate, have different headings. He has simply here the plot to betray Jesus. Uh, the one I have here, the plot to kill Jesus. Uh, this is also found in Mark 14, verses 1 and 2, Luke 22, verse 1 and verse 2, and John 11, 45 through 53. So Matthew chapter 26. Now it came to pass, when Jesus had finished all these things, that he said to his disciples, you know that after two days is the Passover, and the Son of Man will be delivered up to be crucified. So, uh, after two days, so this is Tuesday, which means the Passover will begin on Thursday. This is a major Jewish feast commemorating the deliverance of Israel from Egypt. The Jews were spared when they placed the blood on the doorposts, and God passed over them and spared their firstborn, thus the Passover. The procedure of the Passover included the celebration. Uh, the celebration was about a week in length. It was sometimes called the Feast of Unleavened Bread, Leviticus 23, verse 6, because he ate unleavened bread. It was observed on the 10th day of uh, Abib, or Abib, A-B-I-B, or Nisan, I-N-I-S-A-N. I'm not pronouncing these correctly. But, and the master of the house uh, separated a year-old goat or lamb. He slew it on the 14th day and roasted it, Deuteronomy 16, verse 2, verse 5, and verse 6. On this evening, all leaven was removed from the house, 1 Corinthians 5, verse 7. The animal was, the animal was commonly slain about 3 p.m. The blood was sprinkled on the door and later poured at the foot of the altar by the priests, Exodus 12, verse 7. Keep in mind, at this point, they are still under the Old Testament law. That's why uh, the Passover is still, being, is still being observed. The Passover is not part of the New Testament. It's part of the Old Testament. And so under the Old Testament law, they're still keeping the Passover. Uh, 
this is the first time a definite date has been set for his crucifixion. As he says here in verse 2, you know that after two, after two days is the Passover, and the Son of Man will be delivered up to be crucified. Uh, verse 3, Then the chief priests, the scribes, and the elders of the people assembled at the palace of the high priest, who was called Caiaphas. Uh, Caiaphas was a high priest between AD, 18, between AD 18 through AD 36. He was a high priest that year, as we find also in John 11:49 through 51. Originally, the oldest son of the family of Aaron became high priest, Numbers 3, verse 10. Uh, Herod changed the incumbents at his will. Uh, persons who held the office, even though they were, they were removed, still retained the title. Uh, in 160 B.C., Antipicus, I'm not going to pronounce his name right, sold the office uh, to the highest bidder. Antipanes, uh, Ephanes, E-P-I-P-H-A-N-E-S, some of these old school names. It'd be great to name a child one of these and trying to pronounce their name every day. Um, and Ananias, or, uh, or A-N-N-A-S, had been high priest. Uh, A.D. Uh, 6 or 15, he was still called a high priest by many. Uh, verse 4, uh, and plotted to take Jesus by trickery and kill him, according to the New King James, the word trickery is used there. Um, in verse uh, 4, the King James says by uh, subtlety. Subtlety means by guile, deceit, craft, and so on in some secret manner. Uh, so they're going to try to trick or pull some kind of craziness to get Christ, right? basically, right? Uh, do we ever see anything like this happen to people today? World leaders across the world that people try to do things to, to maybe not necessarily to kill them, but maybe to get them out of positions of power. I'm not, I'm not applying this to last year, so I don't think I'm applying this to, to last year, though, whatever. Uh, but do we see it different places throughout the globe? Oh, yeah, I think so. You see different people being pushed out of power by uh, trickery and by force sometimes as well. And so what's happening here is not uncommon. But in this case, it's not trying to push him out of power because he wasn't a king on the earth in, in the sense of being in government, uh, physical government like we think about uh, commonly today. But here they wanted to, instead they wanted to kill him. Uh, verse 5, but they said, not during the feast, lest there be an uproar among the people. <laughs> Keep in mind here, these guys, these, keep in mind who we're talking about here. Verse 3, the chief priests, the scribes, and the elders of the people. All supposed to be what? These are supposed to be religious people. And what are they doing in verse 4? Plotting to take Jesus by trickery and killing. These guys are out of their mind. This, when I read through the gospel accounts, what blows my mind are these so-called religious people who, want, who are plotting murder. They're not people who just make mistakes or, or you know, are confused about things, or <laughs> they're they're plotting murder. They're plotting to kill people, not just Christ, but also as we know from from Acts that they plotted to kill Paul and Silas and others as well, uh, which is a common theme. In fact, if you read Fox's book of Martyrs, it talks about the numerous ways in which the which the uh, apostles were killed and many other faithful Christians were killed. Uh, being martyred means you died because you were a Christian and you refused to renounce Christ. Thus you die a martyr. Um, but they said in verse 5, Not during the feast, lest there be an uproar among the people. We don't upset everybody, so let's wait till the feast is over. Wait till everybody knows there's a much, most of the crowd is gone, right? These guys, they're, they're, thinking it, they're thinking it out ahead of time, thus it's murder, right? 
It's, it's premeditated. It was decided way in advance. This is what they're going to do. They're plotting to murder Christ. Crazy, crazy people. Uh, again, these are supposed to be the, verse 3, the chief priest, the scribes, and the elders of the people. Nuts. Verse 6 and following, you have the, um, some call it the anointing at Bethany. I don't have this in my heading, um, and Brother Max's commentary. And I, one of the reasons I prefer his is because some of our headings in our Bibles today, they're very generic, many, and many times they're just flat out wrong. Um, and very fluff. But anyway, uh, that's the that's the section you have here in verses six uh, through verse thirteen, the so-called anointing. Uh, but again, I don't have this recorded. I don't have this heading here, so I don't really like to use that 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 uh, heading. But anyway, this section, verses six through verse thirteen, can also be found in Mark thirteen three through nine. And then also John chapter 12, 1 through 8, which in my translation, they all have the heading, the anointing at Bethany. Anyway, so let's read through this uh, section. This will be our last section before we close out uh, today. So Matthew chapter 26, beginning in verse 6. And when Jesus was in Bethany, the house of Simon the leper, a woman came to him, offering him to him, having an alabaster flask of very costly fragrant oil. And she poured it on his head as he set the table. And so... You have to keep in mind, a lot, of, a lot of what's happening here is custom type things, um, and people were t and people still talk about put a lot of emphasis on what she's doing on what she has poured over him. It's very expensive, whatever it is. It's some, as we mentioned here in verse six, or verse seven, rather, a very costly fragrant oil. People go into a lot of detail about what what was possibly in this. It doesn't matter in all reality, because it was very costly, which means it was something that she was sacrificing or offering to prepare Jesus, as you're say here in a moment, basically that she is anointing him, preparing him for <laughs> for his burial almost, right? Uh, verse 6, or excuse me, verse 8, but when the disciples saw it, they were indignant, saying, why this waste? For this fragrant oil might have been sold for much and given to the poor. But when Jesus was aware of it, he said to them, Why do you trouble the woman? For she has done a good work for me. For you have the poor with you always, but me you do not have always. For in pouring this fragrant oil on my body, she did it for my burial. As surely I say to you, wherever this gospel is preached in the whole world, what this woman has done will also be told as a memorial to, to her. So what's happening is she, she poured this oil on him, and the, the apostles, as it points out here, um back up here the disciples verse 8 say uh, they were indignant saying why this waste now if we look at mark's account let me see here i believe okay it looks like a john's account maybe this wasn't the the, the time that I, I may be confusing this with the woman who washes his feet later um no John chapter 12, John chapter 12, looking at verse 4. Notice this here, John 12, verse 4. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son who would betray him, said, Why was this fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? Then he said, he, this he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had a money box and used to take what was put in it. <laughs> wow, Judas. This is why he fits the bill of a betrayer. People say, well, you know, Judas was picked ahead of time. I don't think we can say that. I think Judas was one who was whose, whose character just fit. 
he had the money box. He was a thief. He didn't care about the poor. All he cared about his money. That's why he betrayed Christ for, for silver, right? Uh, and so Matthew and Mark's account only record disciples complaining, but they don't, it doesn't record John here. It doesn't record John records in John 12, 1 through 8, where he mentions here that Judas Iscariot, John 12 and verse 4, mentions him specifically. Just as scared as Simon's son who betrayed him said, Why was this fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii? How do you know it's going to cost 300 denarii? Because he was very, very greedy and, and covetous. He knew how much it could be sold for. Wow. Way to paint the wall for everybody to see how kind of person you are. And given to the poor. This he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the money box and he used, and he used to take what was put in it. Uh, in, G in verse 7 8, Jesus tells them, uh, Let her alone. She has kept this for the day of my burial. For the poor you have, you have with you always, but me you do not have always. Uh, meaning that you can take care of the poor anytime. Now he's, saying, he's not saying neglect the poor. He's saying, is, Look, you can do this for me because I'm not going to be here the whole time. The poor are always going to be with you. Uh, and what the disciples, as John bears out there, it wasn't, at least for, Ju for Judas, it wasn't a true complaint. He wanted the money. Uh, he wanted to sell that and have the money. Okay, we're going to stop there this morning. Uh, next week, um, we have several weeks of Bible camp coming up in July. And so next week, we will have a Bible study in July. I may do my very best. I'm trying to do my very best to re pre-record some, some studies so we don't have, to, so we don't have a two-week break <laughs> in between. Uh, I make no guarantees, but I will try to do that. Uh, we will have a study, Lord willing, next week. And then... Uh, the second and third week of July, I'll do my best to have something pre-recorded that will appear here and on, on Podbean as well. So we're going to stop there this morning. I do thank you for listening. Hope you enjoyed this program. Again, uh, this will be here in our Facebook group, the video, and then the audio also um, will be uh, in uh, our Podbean as well, on the Podbean uh, channel for Bible Studies with Russ. And so you can always... Uh, find it there and of course that means it's because it's on Podbean, it's also on itunes and all those other places as well so thank you for tuning in this morning and hope to see you again next time we thank you for tuning in today we hope you enjoyed this program you can find out more about byway media by visiting us at bywaymedia.org you can also find us on several uh, social media platforms now you can find us not only on facebook but you can also you can find us on tumblr you can also find us on the Twitter alternative known as Telegram and on the Facebook alternative known as MeWe. We hope you enjoyed this program. We hope you will share with others. And as always, we thank you for listening.